fruit salad. Yummy, yummy. <laughs> fruit salad. <laughs> yummy, yummy. Fruit salad. Yummy, yummy. Yummy, 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 yummy. Fruit salad. Got it. Still got it. Thank you. Ooh. All right. You ready to start the show? Can't shit? wait to five star fruit salad on Rock <laughs> Uh, All right. Hey, Job. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> to record a <laughs> podcast? Jeez. Oh, okay, that's fine. Go ahead. All right, so I guess we'll talk about um, Jurassic Park. We've never done that before, right? No, never. Not once. Okay, so recently, of course, What's a uh, we watched all the Jurassic Park and or world movies. And uh, quite recently, they released a little short film called Battle of Big Rock. Uh-huh. And we just watched that uh, uh-huh. because I thought it was going to um, be somewhat important, and it wasn't. No, it, it wasn't didn't really anything. confirm anything new. It just confirmed that the next one is going to be the schlockiest entry yet. Colin Trevorrow returns to direct a little eight-minute short film you can watch on YouTube if you want. I didn't really find it very impressive at all. It's a very simple concept. It's a family out camping in an RV. And then, you know, it's, it's very nice. But then dinosaurs show up and then attack them. And then they... Boy, T-Rex. But none of them die and it's all fine and it's all good. And they just have their camper destroyed. And it's not a T-Rex. It has the little devil horns, I'm pretty sure. Oh, uh, so these were new dinosaurs, apparently. Um, oh, okay. So, obviously, this is after the events of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. The best one. I think that's what the, the consensus we came to agree on, right? That was the best one, right? No. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. I, I So, obviously, that one was a, a mess of a film. But I kind of like the concept of dinosaurs just running all about and fucking with yeah, humans. Yeah, we about this. Like, but, but the way they got to that concept in stupid. that movie was extremely stupid. And basically, I feel like the characters from Jurassic World, you know, uh, have to answer for their gift to humanity, which is... Letting the dinosaurs loose instead of letting them all die, like Jeff Goldblum would have wanted. Right. Uh, and speaking of which, it got confirmed on Twitter by the official Jurassic World account that the next one is going to have uh, the cast from the first one. Yeah. Sam Rockwell. No, not Sam Rockwell. What the fuck's his name? Uh, Guy who played Grant. That's not. It's not. It's not his name. Oh. You're an idiot. Oh, okay. I thought. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not the most accurate when it comes to names. Yeah, I'm bad. Uh, I, I thought his name was... I thought that was his name. Yeah. That's his name. <laughs> Give me one second. Take your fucking time. I don't want to get his name wrong. It's Everybody. Sam Neal. Neal. Sam Neal, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum All will back. return as their characters in Jurassic World whatever it ends up being titled. Jurassic World, oh god. So I should be excited for this, because those are all good characters. Right. uh, From the best Jurassic Park movie, which is Jurassic Park. Right. Uh, So, but then again, I think back to Fallen Kingdom, where Goldblum's in that movie. For five minutes. For about five minutes. And it was touted as being a larger role than that, uh, at least it was manipulated to appear as such by the trailers and marketing of the film that focused heavily on that five minutes of footage with him in it. (laughs) Uh, He even narrated the trailers, basically. So, I don't really know what to expect from this news. I feel like they'll still focus on Chris Pratt more. 
You know what I mean? And and that kind of is an issue to me when I actually care about the park characters more than the world characters, I suppose. Oh, yeah. So, I, you know, while this news should get me excited, I kind of know better at this point with this franchise. But don't worry, we'll still watch it here on the show. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Shit. Fuck. Oh, God. You got any more? Oh, fuck. One more. Shit. All right. God damn it! Hello, everybody. Welcome to Get a Jump Show. That's Gen. Hey, what's up? And I'm sick. Oh, that's sick over there. Yep, that's sick. That's me. I'm sick. Just be, uh, you know, got a case of the stupid nose. I got the case of the, it, it's a transitioning to a new season and my allergies every time, four times a year, says, fuck you, dude, and beats my ass and makes me bedridden I, for one day. I completely empathize. I kind of went through that uh, a couple weeks ago. I think I'm doing okay now, but it's not really turning into fall. I mean, it's sort it kind of tries to, and, then, and then it's nights. and then boom, eighty degrees. When, when you start having cold boom, nights, that's when you know it's degrees. like we're still having cold nights though. And that's I know that's it's the weird part. Yeah, because I can't, I don't feel like I can take out the air conditioners and shit yet. But at the same time, it gets really cold at night. You have to make sure you turn them off at night. Well, of course, but then it like it, it just creates this weird fucking like. Hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold situation. Right. Like I'm playing hot potato. The Midwest sucks, guys. Don't live here. Yeah. I actually love the Midwest. You know what I I didn't love? What did you not love? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. We'll we'll get get to that a little later. I just want to point that out that I didn't love. I don't know if I disagree with you or not. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Um... Yeah, we'll just get into it in a bit. That's, uh... That'll be the last good chunk of our episode but anyway it's been a lot of time talking about that play anything new bud uh new no but uh we did continue river city girls we did and i like that game a lot it's great it Uh, it is very great i love that game and anything reminds me a lot of that scott pilgrim game that i wish still existed well it does but it's really hard to get because you can't download it anymore right uh, hopefully that gets a remaster at some point. I feel like it deserves it's it. It's probably it's stuck in licensing hell. So yeah, but I feel like it shouldn't be that hard to license out the Scott Pilgrim license because like well, I think that version of the Scott Pilgrim license is owned by Oni. Yeah, and then you have the trouble with the music license that's owned by Anamanaguchi. I think they'd be cool with it. Like I feel like this is more possible than a lot of things that like I thought would never be possible. Like you know. SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom remaster, for example. How's yeah. that happening? Uh, it's interesting to me because I feel like working with Nickelodeon is probably a lot harder than working with Universal on a property that isn't as like sought after. Was Scott Program listed as Universal game? Is yes. Oh, that's why it's a problem. That's, that's a lot of the problem. Um, 
I was about to but I think the, the demand uh, for it is high enough that they should be able to figure out something. That's so strange that it's like technically, a, I guess, a licensed movie game. Because it uses, it is, it yeah. uses the, all of the likeness from the graphic novels. It definitely so, resembles the comics more than the movie. Yeah, it, but it resembles like all the character models are from the graphic novel. Yeah, but it, but it was definitely meant to tie in with the movie as because it, it came out around the same time. I'm just wondering how Universal got like. Do they just own the Scott Pilgrim license? Uh, maybe for that particular incarnation of it okay. in video game form, perhaps. So if there was to be another one, they would have to do it, but they probably will just sit on it. No, they won't do shit with it. Or maybe the license will expire, but then the game is still owned by them. Like it, it could be a t- it could be a tricky situation. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, it doesn't matter. River City Girls. Good substitute. Yeah. Now that's obviously based on River City Ransom. Uh, The concept is basically just the opposite of River City Ransom. In River City Ransom, you are trying to rescue your girlfriends as two male characters. And this game, you are trying to rescue your boyfriends as two female characters. It's it's really quite nice. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, the game has it just oozes personality. Yeah, from every faucet. It's pretty funny actually so far. I'm liking the dialogue. it's witty. I like some of the cutscenes are like manga, uh, <coughs> literally black and white anime drawings. With, yeah, uh, it's very cheeky about speech it. Speech balloons. Yeah, which I enjoy. And the music is excellent. You can listen to that shit on Spotify too. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, gameplay's a lot of fun too. I'm enjoying that quite a bit right now. Uh, another thing, I you took a dab. little. You do a hyper dab. You can do a dab people. in that game, and there's lots of cameos from uh, characters that are in the. Uh, I want to say Double Dragon universe. Yeah, that's technically where that takes place. Yeah, Double Dragon slash River City universe. Right. Whatever you want to say. There's like, a bunch of characters from both. The skeleton guy, yeah. the the guy from Double Dragon. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a Bobo or a Dobo, however you say his name. A Bobo. That one enemy type. Yeah. You know him. I know. So, yeah, it's a great time, and uh, I'm looking forward to playing more of it. I've also played a little bit of an old game, uh, kind of in preparation uh, before I buy and jump into a game called Control, which I do want to play, but the more I hear about Control, the more I hear that it takes place in the same universe as another game, which I never really finished and wanted to finish, and that is Alan Wake. Ooh, good game. So I started playing Alan Wake, and... Alan Wake is something. I like it. I like parts of it more than other parts of it. It is a very interesting video game, I'd say. Well, I think the thing I liked the most so far, I just beat Chapter 1. I think it's divided into six chapters, and then there are two DLC ones that are also canon. And then there's a whole other Alan Wake game, which I think is also still going to be canon with this, but I think there's some minor retconning in the context of Control. But Control also apparently may introduce the concept of alternate universes as well. So there could be universes where some things in Alan Wake didn't happen and some things did. I don't know. Be that as it may, I'm really liking the experience so far. Uh, it's written very well. It's interesting. I like the references to Stephen King. Uh, I hope that because it's kind of referencing Stephen King. It doesn't have a shitty ending like Stephen King novels often do. <laughs> um, but it's appropriately weird. <laughs> I oh, feel like it hurt. probably will. Oh, uh, <laughs> I know certain things about it, but, I, but I'm trying to forget. 
so that I don't spoil it with my own memory, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Because I I'm, I feel like I do know the ending of it, but I'm not certain if that was something that someone else said at some time for some other thing. But I do like it, and I do see how a lot of the stuff that is in control that I'm interested in kind of stems from it. Such as supplementary material in the form of text entries that you collect... And TV shows that you can watch, and radio stuff that you can listen to. That's all throughout Alan Wake, and that's kind of been my favorite parts of the game so far, actually. I'm not a huge fan of the combat. It's very simple, but annoying in a weird way. Yeah. Because you have to flashlight the shadow enemies until they are harmable. I think then they are harmable, then you can do the shoot on them. I think the combat is probably my least favorite part of Alan Wake. Yeah, and unfortunately it's a very prevalent part of Alan Wake. Yeah. So, But I will beat it. I'm just playing through it on easy so I can beat it. And then once I am done with it, I don't know if I'll play the sequel. Because I'm really excited to play Control. I kind of want to jump into Control. Um, and I might play Quantum Break as well. But I don't know how deep the lore of that one gets integrated into Control. But I know that it does exist. I mean, it's it's like half a TV show, as far as I'm aware, of Quantum Break. So, I will look into it anyway, eventually. Maybe after Control. Yeah. Because, I mean, I technically can play the game with uh, a friend's games. Uh, almost a games cast. Meant to say uh, the Xbox Games Pass. Sorry. Oops. Yeah. Have you been playing anything different or I new played, or anything? Uh, I played one new game. What'd you play? Oh, yeah, you did. I oh, played no. Untitled Goose Game, baby. Let's go. Oh, it, so, it came out. How is that? I It's one of my favorite games of this year. <laughs> it awesome. Is, it is, I'm happy to least, hear that. It is, at the very least, will be on like probably my top ten. And I play a lot of games every year. It is Untitled Goose Game is simple in concept. It is charming as all hell, mm-hmm. and it is a ton of fun. It is just a torture humans as a goose simulator, about as close as you can get to it. But it's so well designed. Um, the The art style is it's very cute and like kind of adorable fun. The music is awesome. <laughs> you have this like kind of classical style score that only plays. <coughs> Excuse me. Only plays uh-huh. while you are either causing havoc or while you are sprinting nearby humans. Oh. And then the music will start playing. If you stop sprinting, the music will stop. Okay. And then it'll start back up again. And you start running again. And it's super cool. And it kind of gives you that like feeling of you're doing you're doing something crazy. Has some has uh four different pretty fun locales. With a lot of different ways you could torture the humans in them. Okay. And the good way the game works is each different area gives you a to-do list of uh, stuff to do to torture these people. Then when you're done with that, something opens up and moves you to the next area. I finished the game, but then it has a post-game. With a bunch more shit to do. That's cool. It's on a, on a new to-do list, so I'm doing, in the middle of doing that right now, and I'm still having a blast. Just, like, more specific objectives. Like, there's one, like... For example, there's an early objective where, like, you have to make uh, make this kid trip and lose his glasses, and so you can grab his glasses, right? 
Uh, yeah, so I have seen some gameplay of this. I've seen that. <laughs> in the post-game, they're like, okay, do that, but like make them fall into some water. Game's mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite mean, and that's what I love about it. But yeah, no, fuck, fuck Link's Awakening. Title Goose Game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hearing very good things about Link's Awakening. No, though, I really want so. it really bad. I just didn't have $60 to buy a new fucking video game, but I had 15 to buy I wish game. games weren't $60. I understand why they have to be. Yep. I we're guess. Just, we're just but poor, so man. give us money. Because I really want to play Control, but at the same time, I feel like I would rather... My money would be better spent on waiting for it to be cheaper. Or waiting to instead spend my money on Death Stranding. Yep, that's what I'm doing. Uh, so we'll see. I'm buying a new cell phone. That's why I'm not buying anything right now. I'm unemployed. Right. <laughs> but you're, uh, you're employed by Get a Job Show. That is pathetic, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, you make no money. But uh, we'll see. I've only been unemployed for uh, going on a month now. It's not no big deal. We'll... Uh, <laughs> Bounce back into some stupid job, I'm sure. Fuck yeah, dude. Let's Hooray. Go. That's life. America. That's life. You bounce from one stupid job into another stupid fucking job until you die. Can't wait. It's America, baby. That's to American, die, I mean. That's the American dream, bitch. <laughs> Fuck uh, yeah, dude. Get rock hard for your fucking flag. Fuck a bald eagle. <laughs> Let's go. Do not, do not, do not fuck a bald eagle, please. Get a jump show disclaimer, and please do not fuck a bald eagle. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Is there anything in the news you'd like to talk about before we move on and spend a lot of time on Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, we probably should talk about some things, but, uh... There's a Sony thing that happened. Yeah, Sony did a state of play, and I would like to uh, point out that it didn't really uh, pop out to me at the time. I didn't really think about it, but uh, they are literally just ripping off Nintendo Direct format now. Yeah, it is. Because uh, they teased that they're like, we're going to have a new format when they were started teasing the state of play. And it's literally just Nintendo Switch Directs. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of shameless in its execution, really. It's very shameless. It was shameless in the beginning. I mean, it's not the first time a company has been like, ooh, Nintendo do this, we do same thing. Uh, but... Especially it, it, from Sony. It's, yeah, yeah. PlayStation Move, anybody? <laughs> but uh, it, it's very shameless in its execution this time. And... Uh, But they're different from Nintendo Directs in one key factor. (laughs) Quality. Right. Yes. Um, It really seems to me like Sony had news for The Last of Us 2. And that was it. There's a couple other things that I think are small announcements that could be made (laughs) on their own merits. Like that Humanity game and Watam... Which which looks delightful, by the way. Yes, it does. Eating poopy as a toilet, walking around yeah. holding hands with stuff. Yeah. What is that game? I don't know, and I don't well, care. I just want to play it. It's the Katamari Damacy guy. So you so, know it's going to be dumb. Yeah, but also probably a masterpiece right. at the same time. I'm excited That's for that. That's kind of his mo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and just a couple other games like Call of Duty. Like none of these things really stood out to me as they had to be talked about in their own little fucking please watch our stream kind of thing. I mean, maybe we should be trying, like, not looking at these like they're Nintendo Directs, but it's impossible to do that when Sony wants us to look at them like they're a Nintendo Direct. Right, that's the big thing. Because they literally copy their little interface thing when they switch to games. They would have been better off just dropping these trailers. I think so, and then just saying, like, hey, tune in for a special 10-minute long stream about The Last of Us. Right, at 6 or whatever. Right. I think that would have been better because then the people that are there for The Last of Us 2 only have to wait through all this stuff that they don't care about, like humanity and Watam and VR games, to get to The Last of Us 2. It it felt like if you knew what the final announcement was going to be during an E3 conference and then everything else before it was filler. Now, granted, it was only 20 minutes long, so that helped it a bit. But, like... If, if Sony wants us to be hyped for these, I feel like they have to do a better job and maybe do fewer of them. Because as it stands right now, it's not, not too good. We have a company that goes that's, that's going from doing like maybe two presentations a year, and they've been trying to drop one of these every like two, three months. And it's not working out well for them. Yeah. Because they don't... They're not like... They're not pulling together the same stuff that Nintendo does, where they're getting like a bunch of third-party stuff, and... And Nintendo, who has just as much as Sony, a large stable of developers making shit for them. But Sony's is, uh, they're winding down on a generation. So there's so much less to talk about during this little state of play experiment they're doing. Mm-hmm. It could be a lot more lucrative in the future when the PlayStation 5 is out. And they can actually, you know, have driving forces behind it with new games and stuff. But, like, there's not much left coming to. PS4 here. We're right, there's nothing done. to announce. That's the key here. Uh, I think, like, the last state of play, we had an announcement of that Predator game, and that's really the only thing I can think yeah, of that was, was a big announcement. Yeah. And they also just trailers Like, all the Last of Us 2 stuff is dating back to a previous E3, or even before that, when they announced it, uh, and Death Stranding stuff even way before that. I, I feel like it would be beneficial if they had actual big... IP announcements, big trailers to unveil at these things because Nintendo certainly goes with that route. Yeah, well, they get a lot of, like I said, they get a lot of third-party stuff at the same time. Plus, they have, like... Yeah, but then, like, no one knows that the end of the last Direct is uh, Xenoblade remake, right? Right. No one knows that going into it. So when it does happen, for the people that care immensely about that, they're like, oh, fuck yeah! Because it's a surprise. You know what I mean? And it feels like you didn't waste your time tuning in. Whereas with this, it's like, well, we already knew The Last of Us was coming. And we already knew they were going to reveal the release date. Now, there's a trailer, and it's a good trailer. And it's intriguing. But at the same time, it's like, could have just watched that on YouTube. As just that trailer. Uh, <laughs> just release the trailer. I don't know what the fuck. I saw a lot of a people... a big thing about it. Because The Last of Us 2 has had this, like interesting narrative going around it since its initial reveal mm-hmm. in which people are just like this is like violent for violence sake there's people complaining that uh oh they introduced an LGBT character just to kill them and I'm like um your main character is gay yeah but 
Something I talked about on this show previously, I think the very, very last episode, was the fridging trope that uh, happens in comics and a lot of other things. And it's an ugly trope. And it's a generic trope. And it's used in everything in multiple ways. Kill main character love interest to fuel revenge arc story. And... I, you know, I haven't played The Last of Us 1, or it's DLC, but I've heard that they've done that before. Yeah. I so mean, I'm kind of wondering if that's what happened, or if it's presented in a different narrative sense in this one, I, and I'm hoping it makes sense in the game. I have confidence that it will. I think Naughty Dog is good enough to make it work. I feel like a lot of people are forgetting how good the other one is. But it is frustrating if that is just the, the route it goes, just to fuel her on a revenge hunt. Like, oh, we've never seen this before. Yeah, that, that's the only thing I'm worried about. It's like, is, is all of this just, is the entire plot of this game just, oh, how far will Ellie go? I don't think Joel would just, like, if you saw in that trailer, Joel just, like, joined her. I don't think he would just join her for a, a regular-ass revenge tour. There's probably deeper layers to this whole thing. You know? Yeah, I, I, mm, I'm going to play The Last of Us soon because it's a free game for PlayStation yeah, so users that in yet, October. Yeah, so I don't really know if there's stuff that like would hint towards what his role is or her role is in yeah, the first one. There's, I'm a sure lot. there's things. There's a lot, and it, it, the world of The Last of Us is definitely like a little more complicated than that. But it's also like the world that they build is incredibly cruel. Yeah. And bad shit just happens to everybody all the time in it. It's kind of like the main thing of that it's game. It's like The Walking Dead. Right. It's I'm not going to criticize The Walking Dead for something terrible happening to right. its characters it's just... because that's how the world is has been built up. But but some people have done that. Some like when the uh when the knee thing happened, people uh really bitched about it. Yeah. Um not just for the obvious uh <laughs> clickbaity ending, but uh where they had to wait a year to find out who died. But but I mean in a sense that, like, <coughs> Glenn's death was ultra-violent, and his eye was bulging out of his head, and it was really gruesome, and people complained about it from that aspect. I kind of feel like it helps that scene work. I think, yeah, brutalizing... Now, it sounds weird, but... Brutalizing a character that you adore helps fuel your emotions going into it it's not the same thing as fridging yeah in that i believe so it's that 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 entire thing is meant to target you not the main character you as a reader yeah. and that's like that's why that in the comics at least that scene is so brilliant yeah is that it's there to piss you off that's a good point to make in the comics at least because well i think they piss people off just in a different way right well i think the uh the show <laughs> handled that scene really well at first, and then as the season went on, The Walking Dead sucks, as yes. you well know. I've said it many, many a time on this show, uh, and it does that thing where uh, you know the characters' reactions to this thing are uh, not necessarily how you, how you would hope things would work out, and it just kind of frustrates and pads things along and. I don't think they really got to the point where uh, the comic made you feel in no, any way. It's not the same way. 
No, so they also like kind of foe killed him before, and then they just went like. I think that's a big part of why it didn't work as well too. Going into stupid that stupid, going to decision. issue one hundred of the comics, Walking Dead, you're like this character's like untouchable. He's one of the mainstays. And He's been there since uh, issue two, right? Yeah. Then they're just like fuck you, and yeah, here's his head getting bashed in. Fuck you, and you're like, ah, yeah. And then you're pissed off. I think it's the most back. effective, most iconic moment of that entire series. And I can yes. say that now because it's over. Right. Isn't that weird? Speaking of it's over, guess what show I stopped watching altogether? Huh. Fear the Walking Dead. Good. Now, maybe one day I'll go finish this season, but my motivation to do so is at an all-time low. I have no <laughs> desire to watch it. It has sunk to impossibly low levels of quality hell yeah that even i do not want to sink to and i've watched season eight of the walking dead <laughs> so wow I, I uh i at least that show at its worst had negan and some stupid shit to happen that i could like enjoy every now and then this show has decided to turn every single character into the same character and have their goal be quite one note and boring. Have a bad villain that apparently got fucking killed and replaced with another villain for the last four episodes of the season? Huh? Uh, anyway. Uh, oh, and I just learned that they did another found footage episode in the same season as the other found footage episode Wait, that sucked. They did it ag again. You don't do that again. No, that feel that felt like a one-time only thing. But when you have a character that's entire goal is to carry a camera around and record things because of the story, oh, uh, God. Oh, God, I guess it oh. becomes terrible like this often. Uh, oh, if, God. If they go for three, it's going to be a true nightmare, and this is going to totally be... It's already likely going to be bottom of my rankings for Seasons of the Walking Dead. Maybe bottom of the... So bad that I might not even watch it. I might not even be able to rank it because I don't know. I don't want to give my opinion on it because I don't want to see it to know. Because so far, <laughs> like 12 episodes in or so, wherever I'm at to this 16 episode season, it is absolutely the worst. Maybe the worst show on AMC, maybe the worst show on television right now, as far as dramas go. Damn. Um, I, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. It's just so bad, and they need to restructure and regroup and read read something if they're going to continue, because this is confirmed for a sixth season, Hopefully. for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know what they do to fix it. It's a show called Fear the Walking Dead, and it's like a fucking CW zombie show now. I don't understand. <laughs> it's really weird to me. <sighs> Garbage. But, but fuck all that. I'm starting a rewatch of one of my favorite series of all time, and uh, I've, I've missed out the past, like, I want to say three seasons of this show, but I watched a video about the show from uh, Quentin Reviews, if you ever heard of him. I have. And uh, I'm going to watch all of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I started, I'm it's like four episodes in. The early episodes are weird yeah, now. Are. Um, I mean, like, because, well, obviously the characters are supposed to be the worst people in the history of people. <laughs> um, yeah. But in the early episodes, they're still terrible, but they're, but they're not quite peak terrible yet. 
No, it takes a bit. It does. I I, I kind of like it. it Quentin kind of points out in his video that it's kind of like a parody of like the flanderization trope, where like your sitcom characters will become more exaggerated and goofy, and like the, certain aspects of their personality will be like extenuated over time. Uh, and, and I think Sonny does that, but to such a degree that it's insane. Like, Charlie isn't just stupid, he's illiterate. Dennis isn't just creepy, he's potentially a rapist and or serial killer. <laughs> Frank isn't just disgusting, he literally just eats sausage out of his pocket. Like, <laughs> it, it kind of just yeah. gets to levels that are insane. And I love that about that show, because it, it isn't afraid to keep going down the dark road, but always still being funny. Yeah. It's probably the funniest uh, show that has got this far along in its seasons. Like, I think we're about to hit season 14 of this show premiering this week and i'm a couple seasons behind i'm still haven't really gotten through that whole dennis left and came back saga i want to see what happens with that but i was just said i just said fuck it instead of starting like the last couple seasons i haven't seen i'm gonna watch the whole thing um because it's worth it it's a good show i'll always watch that show yeah absolutely it's funny as fuck have you been watching anything lately have you just been playing the monster hunter and the goose I don't watch YouTube videos, but like, well, of course, I've been I've been getting into the debate sphere of YouTube. <laughs> debate whether that nostalgia critic video is his worst video or just a bad video. <laughs> I don't want to watch it. I don't either. Fuck that. That sounds like that if you don't like know what time. we're talking about, Nostalgia Man reviewed Pink Floyd's The Wall, but he didn't review it. Uh, at all, really. Uh, he just, uh, well, he, he made like a whole fucking album of parody songs of the songs <laughs> from the wall. It's on Spotify and everything. And a lot of the lyrics are just criticizing the wall and making bad jokes at its expense. And it is awful. It is terrible. The production is terrible. It is confusing. It isn't a review. His actual opinions on the wall aren't really present for sure in this. It's, he's, it's just kind of like typical nostalgia critic thinking he's funny, but he's not. Kind of shit. <sighs> Man, like, is there a better example of someone on YouTube who, like, used to have such an agreeable, good, solid fan base that has sunk so low <laughs> as this man right here. Probably the greatest example, I'd say. I mean, he's at least one of the most notorious ones as in, in terms of popularity. Like, there's certainly people associated with him, like Spoonie. Yeah, Spoonie's a good one, too. Spoonie. <laughs> oh, no. That have, like, dropped off the face of the earth. But, like, Doug is still making content regularly... And it, it feels like it's content that came out he, in 2013. Does he still make money? Or 2006, even. How does he still make money off of this? Somebody has to be watching this. The production quality of the wall video, although it does ultimately look terrible, 
uh, is still a lot higher than several YouTube shows. But, like, the fact is, like, it doesn't need it. He approaches it like it's a big, giant project. And he's always kind of d- went overboard with this, like, when he made the movies and other garbage. Right. Uh, it's just so overblown and unnecessary. I think the only person that can get away with that is James Rolfe. And even then, like... They're still short. The AVGN movie is fucking terrible. Yeah. It's fucking bad. Uh, uh, thankfully, his reviews haven't suffered. His main videos are still pretty good. Right. Uh, there's not too many bad AVGN episodes, and if, they're, if they are bad, I think it's Mike Matei's fault, and not James. Right. <laughs> like, uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz one, where he's the cowardly lion, and he's annoying as fuck, but Mike Matei's a whole other story. Um, I'm not only bringing this up just because. Uh, I was actually going to talk about AVGN, uh, in relation to the film we're watching today, actually. Oh, boy. Because, uh, oddly enough, the first content of Texas Chainsaw that I ever saw was the AVGN review of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game on the Atari 2600. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever seen anything from Texas Chainsaw that wasn't just, like, a commercial or a parody in a cartoon or something. Oh, boy. Um... So, that is a weird introduction, because it's a parody, but I think he nails certain aspects that are in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 that are maybe interesting to mention uh, as we go into a review. If you want to start it, I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Start right now. Let's go. (laughs) I'll I'll bring it up later as we go. Um, I think that video is actually one of my favorites of his, now that I've actually watched Texas Chainsaw 1 and 2, because he parodies both of them Yeah, in that video. Uh, not just one, decidedly so, which is a, a strange choice, because not many people know about this one. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, I guess more people know about this one than the ones we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Right, absolutely. Uh, so... <coughs> Most people jump ship after this one. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, Jusby. How did we get here? Well... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 is in 1974. Yeah. This is in 1986. Twelve years is a long time for a sequel. Yeah, what happened? This is some Indiana Jones bullshit at this point. Uh, I'll tell you... I'll tell you what happened and then what I think happened. Okay. Uh, let's let's uh, let's look at what Toby Hooper's been up to for twelve years. Okay. We'll do that first because you're Toby Hooper. You make this little movie for small budget, and sure you hope for the best, but I don't think you expect what happens, which is. You change movies forever. Basically, yes. Uh, The effects of that would probably not be felt for a time. But even the initial success is high. This movie, for all its um, infamy controversy and controversy still makes him a shitload of money, especially compared to what the budget is. So, Toby Hooper and uh, fellow writer Kim Hankel... Decide to follow up their surprise hit in two years later 
1976 with a, a very similar film with a similar premise. This movie is called Eaten Alive. <laughs> it features a scythe murderer living in the swamps who also has a pet crocodile to assist in the murders. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this film features a uh, pre-Freddy Krueger appearance by Robert England, and it also stars uh, the final girl from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Marilyn Burns. Um, although many critics, once again, were aghast and horrified by the film's violence, the film failed to live up to the admittedly impossibly high standards of horror set by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Uh, with many deaths viewed as ridiculous and even comedic, which doesn't surprise me because they're involving a crocodile in some instances. <laughs> um, right. I've never seen this film. It's not necessarily a cult hit. It's kind of just known as, that's the movie Toby Hooper did after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that's the only really claim to fame it has. So, maybe Toby Hooper's just a one-hit wonder. Uh, but he decides to prove that he's not, and his next thing is a TV miniseries, Salem's Lot, based on Stephen King's uh, second novel, I believe. Yeah. So this is early as fuck, Stephen King. Right. Um, I've read Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot's really good. Mm-hmm. It's really solid. Um, I liked how simple it was and how the chapters are named after the characters. Uh. Sort of like Game of Thrones, but, like, the chapters are quicker. And it's almost like you're reading, like, Bible <laughs> books, Bible chapters. Right. Just like, here's Ben. Ben 1. Ben 1-1. One, one. Ben 2-1. Um, as I stated last week, Stephen King was a huge fan of Texas Chainsaw, so it's really no surprise that this happens to me. Yeah. Um, the series released in 1979 and received mostly positive reviews and reception. So... Then Hooper makes a film in 1981 called The Fun House, a horror slasher film taking place in a carnival and starring teenagers, possibly in an attempt by this studio to ape off the success of Friday the 13th, if I had to guess. Yeah. But that's just me. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a fairly generic horror premise, but critics find that Hooper's direction... <coughs> elevates this material significantly and the film received somewhat positive reviews. So he's kind of doing okay. Then he gets his biggest break since Chainsaw, probably even a bigger break for him. Uh, He has a solid reputation as a horror director and this reputation nets him his next job. 1982's Poltergeist. Yes. This is originally conceived as a horror sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind by Steven Spielberg, and he wants to direct it. But he is contracted (coughs) to be only directing E.T. at the time. He's not allowed to work on another film, at least in a directorial context. So he contacts Toby Hooper to direct the film. Uh, Hooper was against the sci-fi elements and suggested the story be about ghosts instead, and Steven agreed, and then they started making the movie. Now, something to, to bring up here, and I don't know what side of the fence you will lean on, there is a debate to be had on 
who actually fucking directed Poltergeist? <laughs> because many people think it was actually <laughs> Steven Spielberg and not Toby Hooper. Just used Toby Hooper as a guy because he was under contractual obligation. Yes, and there was also reportedly a, a strike about to happen in the Directors Guild, I believe. So maybe it's a loophole. Um. I think either way, uh, Steven Spielberg denies this, of course. Of course. Uh, I think his quote was um, the basically like saying that if he directed Poltergeist, then George Lucas directed the Indiana Jones films. Um, Spielberg's point being that these were, you know, he's not saying he didn't do anything, but it was largely a collaborative effort. Right. And... There's multiple, multiple, many, many crew member accounts that state that Spielberg did more than Hooper. Um, regardless, <laughs> Poltergeist is a huge success. Right. And it leads to Hooper signing a contract with a little company <laughs> called Canon Films. Yeah. Uh, they're notorious low-budget action schlock makers. They uh, give you a low-ass budget and you gotta make a movie with Chuck Norris in it for like a dollar and make sure there's some explosions in it. And then they keep making those all throughout the 80s. But they're really interested in Hooper and they give him a three-picture deal. And these three pictures would be Life Force in 1985... And then two films in 1986. That's just how it ended up. I don't know. Um, Invaders from Mars and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, which I think was the main goal of Canon Films, was to own the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise and get him to make a sequel, or at least get him to approve of a sequel. Because... From what I can gather, Toby Hooper wanted to be a producer of this movie and not a director. But because Canon is notoriously stingy with their budgets, uh, reportedly this movie only had a <laughs> 4.7 million budget, which which uh, looks like nothing. so much compared to the original film's budget, yeah. but is nothing if you're making a normal movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> which the first one was not. Uh so, Hooper's probably used to higher budgets at this point, but he can do low budget. So, he decides, okay, finding a director who will work on the cheap is proving troublesome, so I'll just fucking do it. And he takes matters into his own hands, and production on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 pre begins. Um... I, I see, but here's what I think actually happened. Uh, th that is what actually happened. I'm just saying, I think there's another aspect to it, which I have no basis or proof. But hear me out. The movie that starts the slasher trend is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, it comes out before Halloween, so you can't really say anything else did it. Right. But obviously other things like Halloween do help popularize it. Yeah. So then what do you see coming out in the 80s? Friday the 13th, 
Nightmare on Elm Street, and a billion other copycat movies, some of which are basically made by Toby Hooper himself during this time, like the Carnival movie. Um, so, what do you think he thinks about that? Do you think he doesn't want to, like, reclaim the throne that he built? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that was some of the motivation behind it, is that he wanted to make a schlocky slasher movie to rival the other schlocky slasher movies of the era, because he's the one that fucking created it, damn it. (laughs) He doesn't really say this at all anywhere, but I feel like it makes sense, because it's been 12 years, it didn't seem like he was interested in making a sequel to it, but... Now we're in a different world in the 80s where Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't this fucking what is this movie that comes out. It's commonplace now. Yeah. There are slasher movies coming out every summer weekend in the 80s, probably. Of varying quality. Yes, of quite course. Um, so. Here we are. <laughs> the, but uh, but I think a key decision and possibly an incorrect one is made. And that is Toby Hooper's decision to fully embrace dark comedy with the sequel. Uh, an element that he felt was an aspect of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre that went largely ignored. And now, now Jusby, we watched the first one. Yeah. What's funny in that movie? Nothing. (laughs) I think if there was any potential comedy, it is fucking snuffed out by the other bleakness that is that movie. Uh, Like, the antics between the family is sometimes, like, chuckle-worthy because of how insane they are. Yeah, but then, like, the direct results of them being insane are affecting the lead female character right so so it's really distressing more than comedic right um i think what happened here is toby hooper did too good of a job with the first one and he made it too fucking scary and too fucking distressing yeah for there to be anything but those things in the movie there's no comedy (laughs) none uh so i think making a comedic sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of a weird move. I think it's brilliant. The idea of doing that, I personally think is brilliant. It's a weird move for what people will expect because... Well, yeah, for sure. Well, okay. So we've talked about Gremlins and Gremlins 2. And this is really comparable to our current situation here. Yes, absolutely is. Gremlins is... For all intents and purposes, a horror film. It has comedic elements, though. They're very present in that movie. The scene in the bar is kooky gremlin's antics. The scene in the movie theater is kooky gremlin's antics. There's still elements of what Gremlins 2 dominates that movie with in Gremlins 1. Gremlins 2 is flipping the concept and making it really meta, but that, like... 
the comedy that Toby Hooper thought was in one that wasn't in one. Not exist. Joe Dante did put that in Gremlins one. Right. So when it shows up in Gremlins two and it's cranked up to eleven, I think it works better. Works beautifully. Works beautifully well because Gremlins two is uh, the movie of our era. It mm. is the greatest film ever made. You mean, um, <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's great. I encourage you to watch it and then listen to the Gannon Job episode uh-huh, go about do it. it. Go, go do it, you motherfucker. Go do it. So, what does this movie do wrong to achieve that? Because it does do a lot wrong. And I think a lot of it works, though. I don't think I hate it quite as much as you seem to hate it. There is. So, what was your, like, kind of. There is one. Take on it. Big thing that. I think spoils the whole experience for me. Okay. And it is the pacing. It is... This movie is dreadfully paced. Not even in a way where I would where have to agree. Not even in a way where it's uncomfortable or, like, anything like that. It is just... You just dread it. Like, so, so many scenes in this movie are just drawn out to their absolute extreme. Probably to either, I'm guessing the intention was either to make you uncomfortable or awkward or or encourage laughs, but it didn't accomplish either and just pisses, it just pisses you off. So you're like, come the fuck on, let's move the yeah. whole fucking time. There's a, the scene in the radio station. <laughs> takes forever. It's like, it, I swear to God, it's like 25 minutes of the fucking movie. See, I feel like that part was fine. But once you get to the Sawyer family underground carnival hellscape where they live, that is like a whole hour of the movie, (laughs) and it feels like it because as soon as you get there, the movie basically screeches to a halt when when that's the point where the tension should ramp up. Um, And it just takes so long for those scenes to happen. They're just so long and so drawn out to get to the point where, like, finally they're chasing her and finally they do the thing from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1. I'm probably getting ahead of myself. How many I do want to go through this movie as a whole. How many times did we just have a scene, just a random cutaway scene, where Dennis Hopper is just chainsawing away foundation of this fucking plates and says something really fucking stupid and then it cuts back like okay but like bless those scenes though they're fucking hilarious but like what was the point i don't know i really don't like so so here's something funny um canon films was expecting a horror film whose tone was closer to the 1974 original. This is probably why they gave Toby Hooper a three-picture deal. You get to make two movies about whatever you want, Toby, but then you're making a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. That's kind of the vibe I get from this deal. Yeah, sure. Um, So, but I'm really not sure what they expected because, like, the poster for this movie, if you've seen it, and I'll put it on the Twitter, uh, is... Just a parody of the Breakfast Club poster. They're in the same positions. It's amazing. Uh, it's a great poster. I wish the movie could live up to that comedy that is the poster. Uh, sometimes it does. Some things in this movie are incredibly funny, particularly yeah, Dennis Hopper's character. Oh, and there's a whole. Um, He's great. Which we'll get to. So let's talk about returning cast members first. There's one. <laughs> 
That's it. <laughs> Jim Sidow as the cook, Drayton Sawyer. Uh, this would ultimately be his final role in a film. He's really only famous for playing this character. Right. In Texas Chainsaw 1, which was mostly unknown actors, including him. And then this movie, which, uh, not to get ahead of myself, but, like, wasn't a huge success. What? Uh, wasn't a huge critical success. Uh, it did make its money back, though, because, you know, that Canon film's budget is small. Uh, <laughs> uh, he passed away in 2003. Rest in peace, Cook. You made the best chili. Uh, <laughs> Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface in the first one, does not return. But he was asked to. Um, he was offered scale plus 10% for his agent for his role as Leatherface. And Hansen replied to them and said, I don't have an agent. So then they just took the 10% away and then offered him that amount. And he said no, because he said it was too fucking low. I, I, I don't know if this was a Toby Hooper decision or not. I feel like Toby would probably want the people from the first film. Otherwise, why is Jim Sidow in it? But I, I guess if you're going to replace anybody, the one that's easy to replace is fucking Leatherface, because... He's wearing a leather face the whole time. Yeah, but like, oh god, he just god. has to be a big guy. So they replace him with this dude named Bill Johnson, who is only popular. He's only famous for playing Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. I think he does a terrible job, horrible, especially compared to Gunnar Hansen in the first movie. Yeah, um, I, and it sucks because it shouldn't be hard to play Leatherface. It really shouldn't be. You just got to run around and scream and be a big guy and go. Bleh! sometimes but this dude fucking hams it up so hard and does this stupid fucking dance where he lifts the chainsaw above his head and then like goes side to side um and he does that throughout the entire fucking movie and it's made fun of in the uh avgn episode because that's yeah. all leatherface does in that uh, <laughs> um and another new character well not Leatherface isn't a new character, but uh, another thing that is parodied in the AVGN thing is the character of Chop Top. This is Bill Mosley, and he would uh, go on to play many more psychos throughout his career. That kind of became his thing, appearing in horror films. He plays Otis Driftwood in Rob Zombie's yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and the uh, recently released Three from Hell. Um, I've never seen these movies, and obviously we've criticized Robert Zombie. Thousand Corpses is overrated as fuck. Everything I've fuck seen that from movie. that one sucks. Fuck that movie. But I've heard good things about Devil's Rejects. One of these days I'll I take a seen look. Devil's Rejects. I'd like to believe in Rob Zombie, but everything I've seen makes me not want to. Right. <laughs> all, all three movies of Rob Zombies that I've seen have hated. I didn't like a thousand. I hated thousand, thousand Corpses, and I hated both the Halloween movies. Oh God! Fucking fuck those Halloween movies. Right. Jesus Christ! So everything I've seen from him, I hated. So I have no fucking confidence in him as a filmmaker. Absolutely none. <laughs> One thing I won't criticize in those movies is probably the actors. I feel like they do a good job. They do fine for what they're given. So right. Bill Mosley in those movies is probably fine. Um, so he gets the role by uh, making a short parody film called "The Texas Chainsaw Manicure." 
And uh, somehow Toby Hooper sees this and likes it and keeps Mosley in mind for a potential sequel. And then we come to the day when it actually fucking happens out of nowhere. <laughs> and then he gets in. Uh, <coughs> what do you think of the new psychopath known as Chop Top? He is uh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about him a little more later but um i like some of his character but not all of it i feel like again once you get to their compound everything he like everything in the movie kind of is rough at that point yeah but particularly uh, I, I wish that he was as entertaining in that part as he was at the radio station part of the movie. Because yeah. that's a way more interesting, entertaining part, him being like a fucking dickhead. <laughs> Far out, man. Whoa. <laughs> you got any records? He sits there and just keeps smashing them. Yeah. Um, of particular note is the fact that he has this iron plate on his head um, covering a wound that he suffered in Vietnam. Uh, possibly explaining why he's not in the first film, which took place in the 70s, whereas this one takes place in the 80s, obviously. Um, so he keeps lighting this fucking coat hanger on fire and then using it to pick at his fucking scabby-ass fucking head around the yeah tin plate on his gross. head. And then, like, eating and licking, like, the parts of his own flesh. It's gross. Yeah, it's really fucking gross, but it's so gross and so fucking over the top and so weird that I kind of like it. It's funny. For what this movie is going for. Right. But after you get to that compound, he doesn't really do much except be annoying because he's constantly screaming and constantly just... And like, I get it. I get it at that point. Right. Um... Uh, our new main character is called Stretch. She's played by Caroline Williams. Uh, she's a fucking radio DJ person in Texas. Yeah. She would later portray Sketch, uh, Sketch, <laughs> Sketchy Stretch, uh, in a cameo in the next movie we're gonna watch, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And then, like, weirdly enough, she sort of portrays the same character again in uh, Hatchet 3. Weird. If you haven't heard of Hatchet, that's a horror movie starring a famous boy, Kane Hodder, who played the Jason of Voorhees fame. Uh, I've heard those movies are stupid. <laughs> but I'm sure. she and then she sort of portrays a character named Stretch as kind of a tribute in classic hit film Sharknado the Fourth Awakens. Why that this character is iconic enough to keep bringing back in dumber movies is beyond me. Yeah, I don't. Um, she's like just screams the whole time. She well. Yes. Um, at first, I thought she was going to be more interesting of a character than even we had with the main character in the first one. Because, obviously, the characters in the first one are very paper-thin on purpose so that the movie kind of just takes on a different feeling. Um, you don't need to get to know those characters to feel the terror and the horrifyingness. 
so yeah. they try to give her more of a character and explain a bit more about her. But then ultimately it just leads to the same thing. Yeah, same and exact thing. It's it's not interesting enough. It really isn't. I like the concept that she's a radio DJ and plays these stupid songs and everything, but it, it doesn't really... That part doesn't go anywhere. It just kind of is a, is a, it's a detail. Just a device. Yeah, just a device to be able to move the plot along, kind of. Right. To, yeah. Um, so, the most notorious new character... Yes. ...is Lefty, played by screen legend... <laughs> Dennis Hopper, uh, who goes off the fucking rails in this movie. Jesus Christ, um, I love it. He's fucking crazier than the psychopaths in this movie. Yeah. I feel he's nuts. Um, he would apparently say later that this is his worst film role. However, I've also seen him say this. About his role as King Koopa in, in the Super, Super Mario, Mario Brothers, Brothers That's movie. his worst role. I would have to... Well, okay, he's not bad in this. No, not at all. I think the character is supposed to be fucking unhinged and crazy, and that's fine. It's like a... It's fucking farcical. And one scene is borderline experimental. We'll get to that in great detail later. But, um, like... I f he's so entertaining. He's the highlight of this movie. Absolutely. Whenever he is on screen and doing something, the movie is elevated from its like five out of ten status to like a nine because he's so goddamn entertaining at being this insane fucking cowboy sheriff man with three chainsaws. Yes. Yelling. <laughs> Bring it down! Bring it all down! <laughs> I'm the Lord of the Harvest. Just be one. What happens in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 starts with a bunch of fucking snotty nosed, bitch ass teenagers driving Yuppies. down a road. It's the 80s, dude. Oh, dude. The one dude just has a revolver and is just shooting signs. You're not cool, kid. You're a dummy. This scene's fucking weird. <laughs> it is. And then so they. The assholes just drive around shooting shit. So they call into the radio, and this pre nine eleven world. To, I tell you, yeah, and this is when we get introduced to Stretch, our main character. Yeah, they, they just start, call her to go like, hey, or whatever. So yeah, so yeah. They start calling her, harassing her, and they do it apparently a few times throughout a full night of driving. Yeah, and then they finally finally gets to nighttime, and they pull up by a truck on a bridge, mm -hmm. and the truck gets in their way, and they're like, "What the fuck is this? Is this the truck that they played chicken with earlier? Is it the same truck?" Maybe. I feel like it doesn't really necessarily matter if it is, but it could be seen as, like, the Sawyers were in that truck, and they uh, like, what the fuck, decide man? to confront them later and stalk them. But who knows? I, I really don't. I can't say. I, can't I think say it's either. the same truck. But. Anyway, so they pull up to the truck on a bridge, and it blocks the rain. They're like, what the fuck? And then it starts chasing after them. And then good old Leatherface pops out with his chainsaw and starts sawing at the car Look, important. while they're on the phone with, with the radio station. Yes, but important detail to note, Leatherface is not Leatherface at first. It appears to be a corpse wagging this chainsaw at them because for some reason Leatherface has a corpse strapped to the front of him. 
Yeah. And then when they shoot the corpse in the head, the corpse falls down a bit and reveals that Leatherface is behind the corpse. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it felt like they wanted it to be a reveal that Leatherface is attacking them. But they didn't want to have it be Leatherface they attacking it, them at they, first. They gave it away with the chainsaw. Well, yeah, I'm fucking... What? You know that he's going to show up. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What? <laughs> so when the chainsaw happens, you're like, oh, it's Leatherface. Mm-hmm. Immediately. No, guys. It doesn't work. <laughs> then he kills these kids, but they're on the radio phone the whole time. Good fun uh, effects of the kid's head getting cut the fuck off and then splurting blood up in the air. It was really funny. Entertaining. Funny. Uh, I should mention that the special effects and costumes and makeup are uh, done by the great Tom Savini. Legendary special effects man. He does a great job in this film. Uh, All the production design of this movie is great, honestly. Uh, The sets, particularly the fucking compound at the end, although the movie kind of doesn't really make uh, as good use of it as I would have hoped, is really cool looking and really creepy. It's a fucking horror carnival, man. There's so much shit going on. Lots of crazy shit. Yeah, this movie definitely feels like a carnival. I'll tell you (laughs) Why? Because there's southern people? No, because it's <laughs> fucking insane. <laughs> so, kids get killed, and then you get to the morning when police are investigating the scene, and good old Dennis Hopper pulls up mm-hmm. in his cur. He's investigating the scene. Yes, he is. And then some suits show up. They're like, what the fuck are you doing here, Danny? <laughs> and he's like, fuck off. <laughs> and then they do... Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. like, he doesn't even say anything to really persuade them to do what he asked them to do, because he asked them to like talk about it in the paper, to like spread the word, because he's trying to find the people who are doing these murders. Yeah, apparently, he's yeah. what the is he the uncle. He is the uncle of Sally and Franklin yes. from the first movie, which they didn't mention. I think he did. Did they mention their uncle? No, they didn't ever mention their uncle. No. That's what I'm saying. So, so it's kind of weird. It, it just feels like a cheap way to connect it to the first one. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, we didn't mention the narration at the beginning, which kind of sets up the fact that, like, so what happens after the first one is Sally escapes and then reports the incident to the cops, but then the cops go to the farmhouse and then there's nobody there and they've taken everything and moved um, really quickly. Um, which I guess includes the corpse of Franklin. Maybe because it's evidence. Yeah, probably. Whatever, they're still hanging around on it in this movie for some reason. Uh, <laughs> be that as it may. Um, and then she slips into a coma, I guess. That's really depressing. She, she escaped! Did, she did get hit in the head like six times by a fucking That's hit. true, that's true. That'd probably give you some good, good brain damage there. Right. CTE. Oof. Yeah, just bring Rob Gronkowski in there. He can heal it. <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> he can, apparently, he has the cure for CTE. Doctors can't figure it out, but Rob Gronkowski sure fucking can. <laughs> maybe maybe it's just like a joke, and he's like, my, my cure for CTE? Don't play football anymore. And that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully he finds the cure before Richie Incognito does yeah. by uh, sawing through his dad's head to find the 
the secret. Oh. This is dark, but this is a real thing that almost happened to people. Don't worry about it. Anyway, back to the horror film that is less horrifying than Richie Incognito trying to get his dead dad's head. <laughs> um, um, anyway. So. Stretch. Yes. Decides to confront Dennis Hopper after seeing uh, his thing in the paper, which is apparently less than favorable of him. He calls him crazy, which he is. Crazy cowboy, which he is. Yeah, which he is. Yeah. But he's also right, so whatever. He's and the she, only one trying like, to look for these people. She and she's like, I got evidence. And he's like, fuck off. And yeah. she's like, all right. That's the scene. <laughs> That's about it. It feels like this scene didn't, like, could have, like, been combined with the other one. Yeah. I guess, because, like, it, it sets up, like, this unnecessary tension that, like, doesn't have to be there. Then we get more scenes with Francine. What the fuck? Not Francine. Who the fuck is Francine? I have no idea. I just said Francine out of nowhere. Are you okay? There is no character. I'm the Francine person who's in sick. This movie. I'm the person who's sick. Why are you fucking stretch? <laughs> yeah, that. Holy shit! How did you get? She goes to cover the chili cook-off, <laughs> and that's when we meet the man, the myth, the legend, the cook. He comes in. He goes, "I'm the cook." I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, <coughs> look it up. Drayton Sawyer come in, and uh, he wins the prize, the number one first place for his chili. You know what that's made called. out of? Fucking people. Oops, but no one knows that. Uh, uh, this is actually a pretty funny scene. There's a <laughs> he like picks a fucking like tooth or toenail yeah. out of someone's chili, and he's like, "Oh, that's one of them." Really hard uh, gristle or something. I forget what he says. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fucking Jesus. So so this is more of the shit that I want from this movie, right? Yeah. You got this concept of this psycho family that fucking eats people. Um, but take it to ridiculous limits. Like this scene where literally the patriarch is giving it to other people in some kind of weird chili cook-off. And he wins first place. For his meat, which is people. That's so ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> yeah. That he would even go as far as to enter the meat in the first place, but let alone win. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Um, <coughs> so I He's guess. Won multiple contests. Yeah. So I guess, like, he uh, owns, like, a little traveling food van yes. that he sells shit with and that's kind of like their way of keeping lights on is murdering people and turning them into chili that he yep. can sell yep i guess yep and uh this takes place during a big college football weekend between oklahoma and texas so he needs to sell a bunch of shit to them college people during the big game weekend yeah so that kind of drives our film a little forward it's just incidental but i found it funny i don't know yeah sell <laughs> those college kids some man meat yeah <laughs> yeah um what else is there worth noting uh the weird guy who's like uh stretches boss 
Uh, I don't have his name written down, but uh, he apparently worked on the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this guy. Oh, okay. And then he's in this one as a character. Uh, probably the only reason he's in this one as a character. But oh well, right. hey, whatever, that's cool. Hey, just Toby put his friend in the movie. Um, I can't blame him for it because it's kind of funny, his role in this movie. Uh, his character is annoying and stupid, but he spits a lot, and that leads to some funny shit later. So, Lefty has a change of heart, I guess, um, after he, uh, goes to the chainsaw store, which is the best scene in the movie, bar none. This is it. This is the scene. Yep. You you all might have seen this by now, but it's an iconic scene (laughs) where Dennis Hopper walks into a chainsaw store Mm -hmm. without saying a word. Walks into he the just bag. lays money on this stump that's in lays there. Lays like seven hundred dollars on a stump. Yeah, and he, he, grabs he picks three chainsaws. Yeah, one big one, two little ones. Mm-hmm. He wants mm-hmm. to wield. The guy's trying to ask questions. He's just flailing them around like a He's fucking just like, idiot. Hey, you want to try it out? There's a log out there. You try it out. And then Dennis Hopper walks out there and starts attacking uh, this log like the chainsaw is a sword. And it is amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> um, and it's also like, oh my god, this scene is like so fucking weird that I genuinely think it borders on experimental towards the end. Yeah. Because it cu- it cuts to the fucking old proprietor of the shop, and he's just like, what the hell? And then, when it cuts back to him a second time, he says, oh my can banana. What? <laughs> What does it mean? I do, is he getting a hard on from watching this man annihilate a log in it's front like of his laughing shop? Laughing and like it's apparently happy about it. Yeah, but it, like it's paired with like this sinister music. I guess it is. It is so fucking weird. It's like some David Lynch shit. His bananas aching because. <laughs> He loves seeing logs get brutalized, I guess. All these details just combine and stack to really build the perfect scene. (laughs) (laughs) If you remove one variable, it might not be quite as good. He has to say Aiken Banana. He has to attack the log with the chainsaw and actually succeed really well at killing the log. (laughs) Yeah. God, what a scene. I wish the rest of this movie could be just as good. But unfortunately, the movie continues. It can never really achieve this level of majesty ever again. It doesn't even come close. No, not even. Uh, There is a cut scene that is interesting, and I wish they left in the movie, even though the movie has pacing problems, and that's why this scene was deleted. The Sawyers head to a movie theater and uh, kill some patrons of the movie theater. To just get a bit of extra meat. I think this is the day before they go to attack. Uh, the radio station? Yes. Okay. Now, this is unfortunate because this scene features a cameo from the legendary Joe Bob Briggs. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, and I watched this scene on YouTube earlier today uh, because I wasn't aware of its existence. And it's really great. <laughs> there's two girls and Joe Bob Briggs walking out of a movie theater and walking down some stairs and they're arguing about I, I guess like 
the merit of horror films, but in a stupid way. Because the girls are all like, you know, that's so stupid using them power tools and things to kill people. And he's all like, yeah, whatever, it's fun. And, you know, it's it's not really blood. It's just they, they just stick a tube down the girl's tits. And then when he drills their tits with the drill, it just, you know, they just pump some fake blood out and it's 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 really nice if you did it for real it wouldn't be fun at all it would look like some strawberry milkshake crap it wouldn't be great and then leatherface bounds in the room (laughs) and starts chopping up the girls and then joe bob briggs fucking goes amazing oh my god three out of five stars saw food (laughs) it just cuts away and like that would have been probably my second favorite scene in the movie had they fucking left it in (coughs) but instead they're like nah the movie's paced really bad and we need to fix that they fucking didn't but but you know hey what can you do uh i love that man he's fucking hysterical that's incredible (laughs) honestly so lefty has a change of heart yes and he goes to stretch these characters have stupid names. Yes, they do. Uh, and uh, decides to uh, give her a request to play the tape recording of the uh, yuppies being killed by Leatherface and play it over the air uh, with the intention, although he doesn't tell her this, of attracting the killers themselves to go attack her. And then he'll be able to attack them. This starts. This kicks off what I would say is a... Clavicade of decisions made by Lefty to completely ruin this girl's life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really weird now that I think about it because there was it was cut from this film that he is actually her dad. Oh. And she didn't know. And that was part of the movie. Um, and they cut it because eh, it's not necessary. And I'm glad they cut it. Because now that would have the additional connotations of her dad sacrifices her. <laughs> right. Um, and that would have been wah, wah. <laughs> but hey, whatever. I mean, she lives. He doesn't, I assume. Yeah, he's definitely dead. <laughs> You'd think, right? So, she uh, is chilling at the radio station. The one dude leaves for a moment. And then in comes Chop Top. Asking about, you know, that request that she played in a lengthy introduction scene. That drags on too long. Yeah, it does. But most of this movie, uh, his introduction is fun. Um, And then I I really like the gag of Leatherface popping out of the uh, record room and then chasing after her. Uh, Yeah, it was really good. I wish there was more shit like that in this movie. He still does this stupid dance, and I know that this is supposed to be more farcical than the previous one, but like it that just makes help. it doesn't work because they use it eighty times. Like when me and you giggled and our friend who was watching the movie when at at his stupid dance, but then like by the time he's doing it the eighth time, it's just like there's that dance again. Why is he doing that? It's not funny. It's just like weird, right? So, uh, she locks herself in, like, a cooler area, and, uh, 
This is when What's-His-Name shows up again, and then Chop Top starts attacking him. Yes. Well, okay, it's actually worth noting that we forgot to mention that when Leatherface pops out to attack her, he accidentally saws Chop Top's head, but it only hits his top head plate thing. The dents it, and he's bitching about that he dented it. <laughs> uh, which is when... Uh, Dude walks back in and sees Chop Top going through some records while he's hearing this chainsaw noises from up the stairs as Leatherface tries to break in to uh, where Stretch is hiding. And uh, this is where we get my favorite line in the film. Because the dude is like, what the fuck? The fuck are you doing? Get out of here. And then Chop Top says, lick my plate, you dog dick. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, uh, you know... Classic, classic line, you know, when you think about all the great lines in film history, you know, they call me Mr. Tibbs and, uh, you know, use the force, Luke, all the classic lines. Lick my plate, dog dick, has to be up there. I think so, yes. With the best lines in film history, for sure, you know. You talking to me? You talking to me? Lick my plate, dog dick. It's gotta be up there, right? gotta be top five easy it's just a legendary line (laughs) oh my god yeah anyway he starts killing this man he doesn't do a very good job as we'll find out later but leatherface does an even worse job at killing his victim uh he finally finds a way to break into where she's hidden uh and then we get oh god the most uncomfortable aspect of this movie which is the love story aspect if you can call it that the leatherface like one the fuck stretch i guess he sees her uh wet legs in them daisy duke shorts and then starts staring and then she's like what <laughs> and then he starts i shit you not to dry hump her with a chainsaw He's shoving the saw into her region. The <laughs> The Vagoo area. Uh, the saw is off. Don't worry. There's nothing weird happening here. Um, I don't understand what they were going... Is it supposed to be funny? It's really just uncomfortable. Yeah. It really is. Like, Because I, I didn't know how far they were going to go with it. Uh, the first time I saw this, and it was, but like I kind of forgot about it by the time we were uh, watching it again for this show. Yeah, too far. And uh, yeah, it just kind of goes on for too long and too far, and I just don't like it. Uh, I think this is a weird, really weird way to go <laughs> with this. They probably thought it was funny, but oh yeah, for I, sure. I don't know. I I didn't really find it funny. No. <laughs> I mean, and if you're aiming for creepy. I guess it succeeds at that, but they don't do it in a way that it's creepy either. Like, Stretch isn't really, like, completely grossed out by it. She's kind of just, like, annoyed almost. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which is a weird direction to go. It suggests to me that they were trying more for comedy, but, like, what's happening isn't funny. (laughs) It's just really fucking demented and weird. Uh, 
especially when you kind of consider the mental state of Leatherface and how he's been treated over the course of his life. Like, like when you really think about it, Leatherface is like a really sad character. And I think embracing comedic elements of that character, <clears throat> I guess it could work, but they don't really succeed in this movie. Which sucks, because I think that's the thing you try to do first. It's the thing you try to nail first in this movie. Because yeah. it's like, Absolutely. he's the guy with the chainsaw from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's the face, no pun intended, of, of the franchise. Uh, so, if you're going to make this farcical sequel with him, and his role in it is just to fucking be horny over a girl for the first time in his life, I guess? What are you really doing here? Nothing. <laughs> It sucks, and obviously she ain't into it. But then he just leaves. Leaves her alone, doesn't kill her. And then tells Chop Top he did kill her. And then they leave and they head back home. And then uh, Stretch could be out of this movie, but she instead decides to chase them down because they can't get away. Can't get away. And then just uh, forcibly enters into their terrible, terrible compound of death yeah, and murder. This is where the movie like takes a downturn. Yeah, so Lefty arrives, and he's like, I'm sorry, I had to lead you here. You well, know. yeah, well, first of all, he follows her around with his car, and yes. she thinks it's one of them, and she's running away from it. Yes, and she in, ends in a up long scene. falling falling down a fucking hole, because during that entire sequence, Lefty couldn't just stick his head out the window and go like, hey... It's me. Yes, I know. He's, like, trying to run her over with the car. What the fuck? Right. Um, it's stupid. Yeah, and then she falls into a trap door, which is just there. <laughs> it's just there. Yeah. Coincidentally, it's there, and she falls into this fucking Indiana Jones fucking skeleton hole. <laughs> like, you've seen it in a million other movies, I guess. Uh, and, uh... Lefty decides to yell, scream, and holding a chainsaw into the front door instead, and then begins to cut down the support beams. And he will proceed to do this for about an hour of the film's runtime. God. Uh, I feel like this is a misuse of the character because you establish him as a fucking psychopath in that scene where he's testing out the chainsaws. I want to see him do more interesting, crazy things than just run around the entire fucking hour of this movie sawing down support beams. He needs to fight all of them individually and have little encounters with them or just, like, find weird shit and then say something bizarre. There's potential there. They just don't use any of it after that chainsaw store scene. And until he shows up at the end, I think that's pretty funny and pretty good. But I love this character. It's just a shame that he's, like, in this movie, I guess. Um, so, here we are. The family's all here. And they're arguing about, you know, Leatherface, get in there and skin that guy so we can get on with it. And she's hiding in a corner. But Leatherface finds her. And is, I guess, excited because, like, it's, like, his girlfriend. Yay! So he goes over to her dead boss and Tut -tut. saws off some parts of him and saws off his face. 
and then puts that face on her and puts his hat on her and then ties her up so that she can't remove the face because she keeps trying to After, fucking do that. Before that, there is a like five minute long dancing sequence in which he dances with her. For no reason. No, and I it's think this long is uh, it's dumb. This is after he puts the face on her. Though. Right. Then uh, he dances with her. Then for a he long ties time. her up. Yeah, and it's just continuing this bad plot thread of Leatherface being into her. Right. And then he leaves her there, tied up, and then fucking dude is still alive somehow. Yeah. Her boss, and he gets up and spits as he's been doing this whole movie, and he's just like, shit. And then he is able to uh, saw through her ropes with a knife and then promptly die. Uh, with patches of his flesh and uh, his entire face missing. And then in what I think is actually kind of a funny move, she fucking takes the face off and then puts it on his face. Yeah for his like death scene like like it's that classic scene in a movie where like they uh like the, they like reach out and like close their eyelids or whatever but instead she just puts his fucking face back on his face uh more humor like that would have been cool that was funny but it, it took it took us like 10 minutes to get to this part from like right. her being in there and oh. being discovered by leatherface God. all this unfunny stuff to get to a funny thing and the rest so, of this movie is just I'm just gonna break this down. Sure. The rest of this movie, all right. Yeah, is a mixture between Dennis Hopper just sawing down. Bring it down! Yeah. Bring it all down! Screaming shit like that while tearing down foundation. Yeah. It's like goes to that every once in a while, and it cuts back to what's going on with Stretch, and it up to a certain point basically becomes an entire rehashing. Of the climax in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, because one. she gets captured, and then we get like a, uh, I th- I think partially funny, but partially just weird, uh, dialogue from the cook, where he's just like, "Sex is a con, Leatherface. You don't want none of that." <laughs> Sex, well, who knows? But the saw, the saw is family, or whatever he says. Yeah, that's what he says. Uh, fucking bizarre shit really like fills in the lines of how weird that character is i guess um i feel like he did a pretty good job with what he was given to do the cook is really entertaining yeah he is in this uh, he this says movie. some stupid shit it's good um <laughs> uh i like how he was like complaining about like rich people getting him down and like taxes and shit and yeah. then they're like they're in this fucking hell hole <laughs> surrounded by skeletons and shit and he's just like fucking rich people don't pay taxes they're always getting me down <laughs> i'm just like the juxtaposition of of these two things is really quite funny to me oh yeah uh so yeah we're eventually at the point where she is tied up grandpa comes out same fucking thing grandpa is still alive at like 136 years old or whatever they say that's weird (laughs) but anyway hey if he was alive in the other one he's alive in this one fuck it who cares whatever whatever um yeah and then they do the same thing uh it's worth noting so there's a corpse sitting with them at the table uh the corpse is supposed to be the corpse of the hitchhiker from the original film uh that's why chop top dances around with him and shit because that's like his brother but like so like I guess the that what they were going for is like Chop Top is a way 
in Vietnam during the events of the first film, and then comes back in at some point, and then the hitchhiker's dead, and like while he was gone, his brother died. Uh, I, I guess is what they're going for here because it, it's like it's creating a character that didn't exist in the first one and bringing him in right. because the hitchhiker died in the first one. So you just create a character that's like the hitchhiker but isn't. Right. Uh, just like a little couple differences but similar in, in nature. So like I guess it makes sense that they would keep the fucking corpse because seemingly they keep all the corpses including Franklin's dead body. Yeah, weird. Whatever. There's a scene where Lefty discovers him and goes like, I will avenge you. <laughs> oh, God. I'll send him to hell, or whatever he says. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's time for Grandpa to do the kill, because he's the best. Grandpa's the best. Uh, you know, and then he tries to do it and then doesn't. And then, instead of her escaping somehow, like, of her own will, uh... She is rescued by Lefty, who comes in and starts singing a song. <laughs> yep. And uh, and then they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the Lord of the Harvest. And they're like, what? <laughs> and then he starts attacking them. And it's great. I love him attacking all of them. He cuts fucking the cook's nuts off. Yeah. Uh, he saws through Leatherface. Uh, I, I wish there was more of him chainsaw fighting in this movie because really it was the highlight, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> Needs to be more of that. So meanwhile, while that's all going on, uh, Stretch runs away and Chop Chop uh, follows her uh, up and up and up and up and up a long fucking way up this big elaborate stairs and all this shit. And she gets to the top thing and there's a fucking... <coughs> old woman holding a chainsaw yes. up there which is the grandma who looks dead and i assume is dead yeah but like when she does take the chainsaw <laughs> off the dead woman chop top is like no you killed her and like as old as the grandpa is i kind of have to question what they were going for with this is she supposed to be alive she's just so decrepit she can't move i don't know i don't know uh, the dynamics of the Sawyer family are really weird and uh, not really fleshed out. Yeah, I don't need no, to be. No pun intended. But uh, whereas that kind of works in the first one and adds to the mystery of it, it kind of just balloons to ridiculous levels here. Yeah. And it doesn't really work in all aspects. Particularly this one with like the grandma like who we didn't see in the first one. Or did we? I think there's two chairs up there when she goes up there. In the first movie, but we never so, yeah. saw the there grandma. Are two shows, yeah, I guess you could just assume the grandma's dead the whole time. But right. So oh, while that whole, the whole thing between them is going on, you have mm -hmm. Lefty fighting Leatherface, puts a chainsaw through him, basically wins the fight. But at the same time, you have the cook underneath yeah. the table. He grabs the dead body of the hitchhiker, who he calls Nubbins, um, <laughs> and there's a grenade inside of him. He grabs the grenade. And he's just like, well, maybe it's about time we stop cooking or whatever. And then pulls the pin on the grenade. And I assume they all die. Yeah. And blow up. Except Leatherface, apparently. Well, I don't know how two transfers into three yet. Me neither. If it does at all. No idea. There still have to be cannibals, right? Yeah. So you can't just be Leatherface. There has to be other people. 
but they just invented chop tops so maybe they'll just invent you know the rest of the sawyer family yay even though like you know there there's some confusing aspects here so i think the cook referred to the like leatherface and chop top as his younger brothers yeah i was under the assumption he was their dad and nope. i feel like that wasn't contradicted in the first texas chainsaw he ever calls him his sons in the first I think it just makes sense that they are. Right. Just given the age difference. Um, Very strange that that is actually what that is. Yeah. But whatever. Inbred weird Texas people. Get it? Yeah. (laughs) So they all blow up, and then she successfully chainsaws Chop Top to death. And then she yells and dances with the chainsaw, and then the movie ends. I guess as a callback to when Leatherface did it. But then now she'd do it. You know? Yeah. This has been done better in other horror films. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. So that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I enjoyed it more this time. Because this is my second time watching it. But, like, it, it's not funny and goofy enough. And it's not scary and creepy enough to really go in either direction. Yeah, that's my biggest issue is that it has no good focus and it's that's paced like shit. It's just it falls flat a lot of categories. Obviously the critical response was mostly negative. What? But hey, you know what that means. Time for some Ebert. Time for some Ebert, boys. Let's go. Ebert time. Here's your quote from Ebert for this film. I wish we could do this for every movie. Sometimes uh, he doesn't have that much interesting to say. And sometimes he's dead, too. That doesn't help matters. But anyway, Ebert, if you recall, kind of begrudgingly liked Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1. Right. Because he hated the overabundance of violence and horror but respected the filmmaking and respected how well it was crafted this movie he gave one out of four stars oh, to and up. absolutely fucking hated here's ebert it goes flat out from one end to the other never spending any time on pacing on timing on the anticipation of horror it doesn't even pause to establish the characters dennis hopper has the most thankless task playing a man who spends the first half of the movie looking distracted and vague and the second half screaming during chainsaw duels he also said It has a lot of blood and disembowelment, to be sure, but it doesn't have the terror of the original, the desire to be taken seriously. It's a geek show. (laughs) Uh, Those are some good quotes from him, I think. So, obviously this would be it for Toby Hooper for this franchise. He would go on to make plenty of other things. It's not like this ruined his career or anything, but certainly it was... Not a flop financially, but a flop critically, and I think it it led to Canon not valuing their ownership of this franchise very highly, uh, and eventually they would sell it, and that's what we'll pick up next week with New Line, Megan and Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel, and we'll see right. if that is of better quality. 
or of worse quality. Oh, I guess worse. And I am scared for that prospect. <laughs> I really am. We'll see. Uh, from what I've heard about Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, uh, it kind of just feels like a bigger budget remake of the first one. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's worth your time. But hey, we at the Gen and Jub program are dedicated and committed to wasting our time. To wasting our time. <laughs> And celebrating Halloween correctly by watching terrible horror films. Yeah. Yay. Quick question. Yes. In the Primus song, Jerry was a race car driver. Yes. They sample this movie, don't they? They do. Did you just put that together? No, I, I just like wanted to make sure. I they do. So. They do. Yeah, the dog will hunt. Yeah, I love That's that. From this movie. You can yeah. hear the chainsaw in the background right. of the song. That's a good sample. Uh, a sample. Love did a good Primus. Job. Uh, I'm not sure why they chose to sample this, but I guess Chop Top and Lefty are iconic in their own way. Yeah, sure. In horror fandom, uh, but I, I, you know, and I, I'll go with that. That's fine. They're they're interesting characters, whereas the movie itself is not that great. Yeah, it just has problems. I wish it could uh, could have been pulled together more solidly. Because there's certainly things here I do like in, like, you know, the right side of my horror brain. You know, the left side is the one that appreciates the actually scary shit. And then the right side is the stuff that's like, yay, stupid bullshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> Give me the gremlins. Give me the reanimator, the dude with the fucking head given head. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous shit like that. Yeah. Wild ass fucking weirdo ideas. Uh, and this one didn't really deliver on that. Uh, it tries to with the leather face stuff and it's just not fucking cool, man. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's it's not, not good at all. It's not funny. It's not creepy. It is creepy, but not, uh, not enough. Yeah. I guess. I, that, I would go with uh, that, yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see y'all next week. It's no good. Come back now, you hear? We're eating chili next week. Let's oh, go. Oh, oh. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, boy. Mm -hmm. That's good shit. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ew. <laughs>